0: selling hero hosted by real estate veteran Tom Didier. Each week we break down today's ultra-hot home sellers market and give you the tips, tricks, and guidance to navigate the selling process and get the most out of selling your home. Proudly presented by the Tom Didier team. Let's jump in.
1: Greetings and moyen, everybody. Welcome to the Home Selling Hero Podcast. I am your host, Tom Didier, and today's topic is going to be real short and sweet, and I'm going to talk about one thing and one thing only. And today we are going to talk about storage condos and what are they? So I have had some experience with storage condos for about 20 years now. Um, I feel like I'm pretty well versed in them. I have been selling them, building them, and using them personally for about 20 years now. So it all started when my dad and his partner, Ron, um, and I don't know if it was my dad's idea or Ron's idea, but they came up with this idea around 2002 to build storage condos. And I said, what the hell is a storage condo? So basically what it is is it is a commercially zoned big-ass garage. That's the short answer. It can be a lot of different things. Um, But that's what it is. It's a big-ass garage, and you can do all sorts of things inside of them. So a storage condo is typically um, metal, um, kind of a combination. It can be a combination of stick-built with wood and steel and metal. But my experience has always been using a Wisconsin builder called Wick Buildings. Wick is a—I think they're out of Mosinee, and it's a builder that builds steel buildings, all sorts of sizes and shapes. So— My dad contracted with them back in the early 2000s and said, all right, we're going to do this storage condominium plat and we're going to build 64 condos. Uh, They started in 2002 and I think it took them about four years to finish out. So storage condos are commercially zoned big ass sheds. Now what can you do inside here? I'm going to give you some examples of over the years what we have seen um, the potential or the current users use them for. So car guys, car guys are huge. A lot of the storage condos in my market are occupied by car guys. That can be storage, storage of any cars, um, restoring cars, uh, auto repair work, body work, pretty much anything that involves cars. There's a lot of lifts in these buildings. Um, most of them allow for that as long as the concrete is thick enough. You put in your your own personal lift and you you know knock yourself out. It's it's kind of fun for car guys. Uh, boats, ATVs. Snowmobiles, motorcycles, anything, anything with a motor in it—you can use these things for. You can work on those machines, or you can just store them. Um, we have seen law firms and professional offices buy these places and store documents. Um, they're pretty tall ceilings, so you can put in lots and lots of uh, racks and shelving, and you can store unlimited amounts of storage. And you know, in the professional world, you have to keep documents for so many years. So we've seen that. We have seen every type of contractor really enjoy using these things. Um, HVAC people, electricians, plumbers, carpenters. I've seen cabinet studios go in. Pretty much any sort of contractor, these are usually a really good fit for. Now, I will say the type of contractor that these are not a good fit for would be landscapers because we've had a lot of landscapers want a storage condo. Typically, landscapers need things like outside storage for their mulch piles and their gravel and whatnot and that this is usually not a fit. So um, landscapers typically have to find their own site. All right, what other kind of uses have we seen here? Um, yeah, big-ass toy sheds. I've seen indoor golf simulators. I've seen putting greeds. Batting cages are really big. I've seen a lot of buildings purchased with the sole intention of putting in batting cages. Because in the winter, these kids need a place to hit, and you know these things can be built out really nice. So I've seen a lot of batting cages. I've seen small tool and die, meaning like one or two people at a time, doing assembly. Um, I've seen a really interesting one that didn't come to fruition as we had a crypto miner, and I know nothing about crypto mining. But now I know that crypto mining uh, involves a lot of electricity because we spent a lot of time with this guy looking at bringing in enough three phase power to power all these machines that mine for crypto but um, anyways that didn't come to fruition I just thought it was kind of a cool idea I was kind of hoping it would have you can do all sorts of things in a storage condo as long as the zoning permits for it so going back to the first project so KW condos was the first project I got involved in my dad and his partner Ron were the builders they built 64 of those and those were in port Um, After that, they moved on to another project called Mandominiums, Mm -hmm. which was in Fredonia. And there we built 50 buildings. However, there were 100 units because every building out there was built as a duplex style. Um, The idea there was that we could build and sell larger units at a more affordable cost to the consumer. Um, And it went good and bad. What we found is that people really like their privacy and their individual space we sold out of the project after a long time, but what we did find is that people will pay more. They'll pay a premium to not have a shared wall, so that's something we learned. And then the last project I was involved in most recently was called Business Barns, and that was kind of the Taj Mahal. These ones were really cool. A few duplex units, so I believe there were 24 units total, um, but these ones had sewer and water, floor drains. They were piped for everything, and those some of those are built out really, really nice. So there's all sorts of differences in terms of the amenities that are, that can be offered to the consumer. You know, what's the difference between a storage condo and a residential condo? Well, kind of self-explanatory, right? You can't live in a storage condo. We did have a guy who was using the storage condo to store his RV, and somebody tattled on him, and turns out he was actually living in his RV inside of a storage condo. So he kind of got... Um, yelled at by the local authorities, and they said, listen, dude, you can't can't live in your RV inside of your building. So that didn't work because the zoning doesn't allow for residential use there. So, all right, moving on to the differences. Um, septic well and water. The first two projects we built had no sewer or water of any kind, no floor drains. They were just buildings on slab, and there was no water. Now, what we came up with was a really cool idea where you can install these totes in the corner of your building and you can catch the rainwater coming off your building. So you, you put this little um, connection to your gutter. It brings the water into your tote. I don't know how many gallons these things are. I'm guessing there may be 200 you know, 100 to 200 gallons of water. And so now you have this little tote, and then you kind of rig it up with the help of a plumber to put in a little pump in there and you put in a little slop sink Uh, the slop sink just drains outside to the asphalt or the gravel and at least now you have some sort of water it's been a kind of a neat little um, retrofitting that a lot of people out there used the newest project we had there the business barns again those all had sewer and water floor drains uh, plumbed to the nines that was a lot more expensive project to build all that infrastructure. But what we found is the consumer was happy to pay for it. So if you are looking at a storage condo, um, with city sewer and water, you're going to, you're going to pay a premium for that thing. So, um, values, the values are what I get excited about the most. And I've always said that in my experience, storage condos have been recession proof. And I say that because, you know, I started selling these things in 2002 and now it's 2023 and even through that shitstorm of values plummeting, not plummeting, but values going the wrong way in the residential market, we never saw a storage condo. Again, in my experience, I have never seen anybody's storage condo lose value. Even during those years, these storage condos were still going up. Even if it was only a couple thousand per year, it was going in the right direction. So I've always enjoyed saying that this storage condo project or product has really performed well over the years. It's um, it's a piece of real estate like anything, and they've appreciated really, really nicely. To summarize over the last 20 years, the, the units that I sold for $35,000 in 2002, I just did a quick check, those are now selling for about $90,000 without any significant upgrades to them. They're still the same steel building, same size, that sort of thing. So something to consider. Um, advantages and disadvantages. So the advantages are... If you need one and your intended purpose is allowed, they're quick and easy. If they're available, you can buy one, move right in, and start using it for whatever you, know, whatever you want to use for it. Mm-hmm. The disadvantages, keep in mind, is this is a condo, and with condos come lots of rules and regulations. Even though they're not residential, the associations in storage projects are typically set up the exact same as any other condominium project, which means you have bylaws, you have a condominium plat. You have uh, common areas, you have individual areas, you have meetings, you have uh, condo dues. You know, typically, and this can vary from project to project, typically your condo due is going to be paid either monthly or quarterly or annually. We enjoyed doing annually because it was less paperwork. And the projects we have done, typically we use those fees to cover um, all of the snow plowing, all of the maintenance, uh, the liability insurance for the common areas, and then a little reserve for the future, because in the future, you know, these roads don't last forever. Uh, the first project we did is actually just going through a repaving right now. Those condos were $200 per year per unit, so they're not much at all. Um, as long as we're talking about condo fees, a lot of people ask about about real estate taxes. Yes, these, these are subject to real estate taxes. They are a condo just like anything else, and the local assessor will assess your unit based on, you know, what it's worth And it can vary based on the municipality you're in. Again, typically if you're in a municipality that has sewer and water, you're going to pay a a somewhat higher tax because you have those amenities. But um, they are subject to condo fees and uh, taxes just like anything else. Um, Other disadvantages. So the rule of thumb is basically inside of your building, you can do what you want, and you can build it out. You typically don't need the association's approval to, to build a second floor, to build steps, to build shelving and racks, to put in your car lift. You know anything inside, you can make it your own. What you can't do is you can't build an addition. You just it doesn't work because it's a condominium plat, and the plat is kind of set. And unless the whole association agrees that everybody's going to do an addition, you can't really change um, the footprint of your building. You can't. Typically, you can't put in skylights. Um, If you are going to put something in your building that is sticking out, you're going to need to go to the association and get approval. We had a car guy that needed to uh, install a vent because he was doing some body work, and he brought a really nice rendering to the meeting on what it would look like, and that association approved that. It was pretty minor. Uh, But anything you do to your building on the exterior, you either can't do it or you got to get permission to do it.
0: Have a house to sell, but not sure who to trust when it comes to getting the best deal and leveraging the current market? Trust the experts at the Tom Didier team. With over a quarter century of selling Milwaukee, Tom and his team of real estate experts are here to ensure that you get every penny you deserve out of selling your home. No matter where you live in the dairy state, Put one of Wisconsin's top real estate teams to work for you in selling your home and making the most of your real estate investment. Looking to buy a house instead? Tom and his team have you covered here as well, helping you craft and perfect the offer on your dream home. Visit sellingmilwaukee.com to find out how much your home could be worth and connect with the team to make your next real estate transaction a dream. Now, back
1: to the show. Again, disadvantage of being in a condo association is you are subject to those rules and regulations. Um, Other disadvantages, typically these are not set up for customers, meaning, but not always. I've I've seen some that actually do allow for that. The ones that I've been involved with do really not allow for like a showroom and customer parking and things like that, so you might only have one or two exterior parking spots outside your unit. And if that isn't enough and you need visibility, you're going to need to go somewhere else. So typically um, no customer parking. However, most of the ones that we um, have built and been involved with do allow for deliveries of whether it's FedEx or UPS, things like that. So depending on the type of business you're running, if it is a business, they usually do allow for deliveries, things like that. Um, all right, let's move on to financing. How do you finance a storage condo? Of course, the best answer is as always, cash is king. If you don't need financing, then you're an awesome customer and we'll see you at closing and wire the money to bring a check. Big banks in my experience do not really understand these products or want to give you money on them. Um, the smaller the bank, the better we got local banks here that absolutely love these things because they have no defaults and again as i mentioned they've been going up in value like crazy so they've been really good really good products the big big banks if you're if you're with a big bank and you can pick your own big banks they're going to basically say no and they're going to say that's not an asset that we will use as collateral and you know, you're going to need somebody like myself or your local agent to steer you to a local lender that, that understands what these um, products are. But it, they typically, again, in my experience, don't qualify for a fixed rate type mortgage. You're usually looking at three or five or seven year adjustable rate mortgages. Typically, you're looking at two per, uh, 20% down on most of them. But again, this kind of depends on who you are as a borrower and you know what kind of relationship you have with your bank. But Financing can be interesting. I personally owned, uh, at one time, 10 individual storage condos as rentals, which, again, that's another use. You can buy these things as investments, rent them out, and and create some cash flow. And my small bank got bought by a big bank. And then my big bank called me from Chicago and told me, Tom, uh, we're just letting you know that we've identified the storage condo loan you have as no longer... um, approvable, It's not the asset of storage condos were no longer approved, and so we're going to call your note due. That was really traumatizing because I was really young, and I did not have the money to pay off that note, obviously. So go figure, I had to refinance it with a local bank, which you'll hear me on this podcast say all the time, stay local, use a local bank. So um, financing can be interesting. Um, If you can find a guy to sell you a storage condo on land contract, take him up on that because... Again, your big bank's not going to give you money on these things. All right, so here's a good story that repeated itself many times over the last 20 years. Again, I've been uh, privileged to be the listing agent on a lot of these with my brothers. And first time a guy came up to me and looked at the building, he loved it. It was a 1,200 square foot building, and he said, This is perfect. Um, I think I'm going to do this. At the time, I think the price was $60,000. And he looked at me and he laughed. He said, come on, Tom, I'm not, not giving you $60,000. He said, here's the thing. I know what it costs you to build this building. And I said, yeah, it's on the website for Wick building. You can, it says it's all over the place. I said, but you're not considering everything else we have into it. So he made us an offer, um, which we respectfully declined. And I said, hey, if you can build this for what you know we're offering this to you for, you should definitely do that. So he went out on his... Uh, on his little journey, and he started looking for land. And every time he'd find land, he'd figure out where he's going to build his building. And then he talked about putting in the electricity, and then bringing in the driveway, and then getting the permits, and excavating the site, and everything else. And he kept going from site to site to site. And then he came back to me about a month later, and he said, "Tom, I'll take two of them." Uh, and he realized that even though the price we are asking for these things was considerably more than what maybe that building is advertised on a website. It doesn't take into consideration all of the infrastructure costs. So, you know, you might think you're paying a lot, but go out on your own and try and build these buildings, and you'll find out that they're actually a really good price. So, that story repeated itself a lot. In a lot of times, what I had to do is just let the consumer figure it out on their own, and come back and say, "Oh, now I get it. It's it's really really expensive to acquire land, you know, uh, get everything engineered, get everything approved." power is a big one. Bringing power back to a building can be really expensive. We do it for 60 or 80 or 100 buildings at one time. So over, if you split that up, it's a a lot more affordable. So something to consider when you're looking for one of these buildings. Um, Insurance. Insurance has never been a problem. You'd be surprised. Um, Insuring a storage condo is pretty reasonable. Um, You obviously want to cover yourself for, you know, any debt you have on it. But I've always thought that you don't really need to insure the slab. I don't think anything's going to happen to a concrete slab. But again, I'm not telling. I'm not an insurance agent. Talk to your agent. But I've always insured mine for the structure to consider that if a hurricane or a tornado comes through and knocks it over, I need enough insurance to rebuild the same building and everything on the inside. Again, the inside buildouts on these I have seen be so elaborate that I've seen the inside buildout cost in excess of twice the cost of the building. So that's kind of uh, interesting and kind of cool. People really, really put a lot of money to the interiors, and you need to be insured for that. I think these are great for communities for the reason that they add tax base, and they really have very little impact on things like police and fire and you know, municipal trash really doesn't typically come into play. Because it's an association, Typically, you got to provide your own um, garbage garbage disposal and recycling and things like that. So, you know, some people have opinions on whether they're sightly or unsightly. I've seen all different sorts of projects over the years. Um, Some are real plain Jane. Some are very fancy with fancier doors and awnings. Um, I've seen a lot of different color schemes. I've seen some storage condos wrapped in brick. Um, They can be really, really elaborate in terms of windows and design. So... But overall, uh, I think they're great. I've really enjoyed being involved in storage condos for 20 years. I'm hopefully going to be involved in some more projects in the in the upcoming years. We'll see where the market goes. Um, and I will say I noticed recently a um, builder, I'm not actually sure where they're based out of, but it's called Storage Shop USA, and they are literally in, if I had to guess, 50 different communities in Wisconsin. They're all over Milwaukee. They're all over Madison and I think they're in the Green Bay market as well so the product of storage condos over the last 20 years has really taken off it's become a very popular product um, for people for both personal use and for business Um, you know I've seen some man caves that are just absolutely elaborate they're nicer than the house the guy lives in Um, And they're really fun. I've I've been invited to a couple parties at a couple man caves. And again, the, the build outs on the inside of these things is absolutely incredible. So here's another cool thing that I've figured out about storage condos is when they do sell, they typically don't sell with a real estate broker. They sell through word of mouth inside of the association. So you know if a guy's thinking about selling all he's got to do is mention it to a couple of his neighbors and it will spread like wildfire and you know he'll he'll sell it so that's been kind of uh, an interesting thing it kind of speaks to the uh, popularity of these things i think i think the last 5 buildings to sell inside of the park that we developed were all sold direct word of mouth there's just there's that much demand for them so again that's a little uh, that's my spiel on storage condos i get asked a lot of questions about them And I'm hoping that um, I shared some knowledge with you and you know a little bit more about them. So if you have any questions on storage condos, look me up. My cell phone number is 414-881-3290. Shoot me an email to tom at tomdidier.com. And until next time, take care and remember to always use a local lender, and this includes your storage condo purchase. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to Home Selling Hero. For more, subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and connect with Tom across LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have a question about selling your home or buying your next one, reach out to Tom at at tomdidier.com or call or text him directly at 414-881-3290. Home Selling Hero is a production of Tom Didier Real Estate in partnership with Westport Studios. This podcast is for informational purposes only, and any information presented during the course of discussion is presented as reliable under the laws of the state of Wisconsin. Be sure to consult a local agent in order for any nuances where you may live.